recording from a college student's makeshift recording studio, this is Mind Dump, the podcast where we make sense of my mind's nonsense. I'm your host, Bea, and in this episode, we're talking about love in quarantine. Today's discussion is going to be a spicy, spicy one. We're talking about attraction. We're talking about flings, and we're talking about my fictional crushes that have compensated for the isolation but have unfortunately set the bar too high, so I guess I'm just going to be single forever. It's going to be a fun time. The main reason that I want to talk about all these gross, icky, weird feelings is I just actually find that these emotions are pretty universal. But for some reason, we're just in strong denial about them all the time, and we adamantly refuse to verbalize these thoughts. Like, I don't know why, but there's just, like, some shame attached to being attracted to someone. Or, like, there's just, I feel like being marupok gets a bad rap. Like, people are seen as, like, irrational or lacking in common sense when they're attracted to people. But, you know, like, they're real, you know? They're emotions that everyone experiences. So, I've taken the liberty to literally dump out these thoughts, as the title of my podcast indicates, and maybe, maybe it could help you come to terms with your own feelings about the topic. The way that I usually make mind dump is that I really have a strict outline of what I want to say, but for this, I'm going a bit more freestyle. I still have an outline, but I'm going to be a bit less strict with it, and I just really want this to be something like, I don't know, something entertaining, funny, and still value-adding. And I just want to say that taking care of yourself emotionally is also important, and that comes with verbalizing your thoughts. So I thought that this could be a good outlet for me and also perhaps for you to kind of, like I said, come to terms with them. So, first, let's talk about crushes. Obviously, like, it's quarantine, so the culture of having crushes is way different than pre-quarantine. So let's talk about pre-quarantine crushes. A good time, you know. That was actually, like, the last time I've had a crush was in 2019. So all my crushes have been in pre-quarantine, like, my real-life crushes. And I know that having a crush, the first thing you think of is that it's torture. You know, it's it's torture because you don't know if you have a chance, but you still can't stop liking the person. You know, it, it's literal torture to have a crush. And, but for some reason, it's something that you still enjoy in a sense. You know, personally, what I really love about having a crush is the hyper-awareness of everything. It's like when the person is there, you're just aware of everything that happens in such a, like, bizarre degree. And... How when you have a crush, like, when he tweets something, you end up dissecting the tweet and you think if they hint at any chance of him liking you back. And, like, if he reacts to your memes on Facebook, your your day is made. You know, it's just that tingly feeling. I, I read this tweet that was, like, the tingly thing that you feel um, when you have a crush is actually your common sense leaving your body, which I really disagree with. I do agree that you can get a bit irrational when you have a crush, but then... I don't necessarily like to equate being emotional to being irrational. And I just think, like, it's a good feeling overall. Um, Margaret Atwood actually, like, describes the feeling very well in The Handmaid's Tale. I know The Handmaid's Tale is a novel that has nothing to do with love, that has nothing to do with attraction. Like, literally, it's a dystopian novel about, you know, how women have to succumb to these gender roles in society. But there's like there was a part there where she talked about falling women, about how women are told to fall in love and she described it in such a way that I don't know I just felt like it was so real so here I'm gonna read it for you so and I quote we were falling women we believed in it this downward motion so lovely like flying 
and yet at the same time so dire, so extreme, so unlikely. The more difficult it was to love the particular man beside us, the more we believed in love, abstract and total, we were waiting, always, for the incarnation, that word made flesh. End quote. I know that sounds like the most marupok thing ever, like, oh, falling in love is like flying, but it's extreme and it's impossible, you know. It sounds like this hopeless romantic thing, but I don't know. I don't think it's it's being irrational at all. I think it's, I feel like it's a good way for you to acknowledge your emotions better, like that hyper-awareness really gets you back into your body and makes you feel alive and reminds you how much you actually feel and how real emotions are. Because I feel like, I don't know, I think the, the beautiful thing about having a crush is that you forget how numb you are and everything just suddenly feels brighter in your head. I agree that like pining and yearning, it, it sucks, it hurts. Because, you know, it's it's confusion and delusion in one. It's just it's a very toxic cocktail. But for some reason, it's still like a good feeling because it makes you, like I said, in touch with your emotions. But, you know, like something a bit more shallow is that it gives you a little something to look forward to in the day. And now that it's quarantine, there's this sense of yearning, not for a person, really. Like, I don't really yearn for a specific person, but instead I'm yearning for that sense of attraction or, or for that, you know, for attraction in itself. Because, you know, like being in isolation really sucks. You have to sit down with your emotions and there's not a single person to really project them on or to really, I don't know. I'm not saying that I'm a user. <laughs> I'm not a user at all. I don't use my crushes to understand myself or like to learn something about myself. But as a result, it does happen. It's just inevitable for you to learn about yourself when you have a crush. And it's not necessarily what you aim for, but it's just the inevitable result. I feel like if you have a healthy crush, you know, not one that is very rational and very grounded in reality still, it's still a source of joy and warmth and really it reminds you you're alive. And that's just something that I feel like a lot of people really, really miss now in quarantine. And that's why a lot of people have taken this quarantine into their own hands and have started looking for quarantflings, as they call it, quarantflings. And, you know, it's crazy. I really have friends who have forged these really strong romantic romantic relationships with strangers they met online. And I have so much respect for them. I cannot do it. I don't think I can do it. I tried it, okay? I, I'm gonna say it. I tried the whole Bumble thing. I don't know if it's for me, because I feel like, with Bumble, you just kind of swipe right, right? You swipe right for people you like. And then I just barely match with anyone. I don't know. I don't think I'm conventionally attractive. So that's one. And I feel like the guys who I match with, the moment I message them, for some reason, their, their replies are just so dry. It's like they're not interested to know me at all. And I'm like, okay, well, my guess is that they've already matched with like a prettier girl. So, I mean, I accept that. <laughs> I feel like it's fine. But you know, I feel like it's just the bumble thing takes a huge hit to my insecurities or like to my self-esteem that's very non-existent right now. So I don't really think that online dating is for me just because it's all, it, it takes a while. It takes a while for online dating to really become something real. But I do have so much respect for people who can do it. Because I actually read this essay from The Guardian and it's called Help, I Think I'm Falling in Love Over Zoom. And it was written by Michael Stahl. And basically, like, the story is that they met online during the pandemic, and the author claims to have fallen in love with his partner already. And it's just, 
it's so fascinating how like the human heart works and how it's capable of loving someone even if you know they've never seen each other in person they still have these really special ways of showing their love to one another i think with zoom what i find difficult is that i can't really see nonverbal cues like sometimes it's hard for me to gauge when i should start talking because i'm afraid of interrupting the person you know but i think some people can really make it work kudos to everyone who's able to forge like really strong romantic relationships online i think for me i just don't have the energy to talk to a complete stranger and try to get to know someone online because personally i already struggle so much with reaching out to friends like just imagine how much harder it will be to start and maintain a relationship I've tried my best to really compensate. As I said, like, um, quarant flings, they're not for me. One way that I've been compensating, compensation 101, is really media consumption. I am such a lover of things. I love people, I love people, but I have a particular love for knowledge, for, for stories, really. It's really for stories that I really cling on to, and I try to kind of live vicariously through them, so... Before I talk about my fictional crushes, I, I guess I want to talk about a podcast that I've been listening to, which is Modern Love by New York Times. It's just a story-style podcast, and it basically narrates different love stories, and different celebrities actually come onto the show and are asked to narrate these love stories. And, you know, it's cool to hear, like, these different artists talk about love in such a intimate way and it's really made me realize that love exists in so many forms in such a diverse way like love isn't a single shape love really finds its way of just creeping up on you and like existing in spaces that you'd never even think of and that's just what modern love is to me it reminds me how love is everywhere and it doesn't have to be romantic all the time my favorite one it's called in the new year more cuddling this was made in 2018 so it was for 2019 when we were still allowed to cuddle it's basically narrated by someone who has always been awkward about touching people like just like hugging or you know just being intimate in that way but she soon came to realize how much touch is such an important part of really expressing your love for someone and also like how much touch evokes emotion and she basically joined like a cuddle party and she ended up really liking it and so she decided that in the new year she will be cuddling more and I don't know I feel like a lot of people relate to how touch starved they are I think touch starvation is a real thing now in quarantine because obviously like we don't really get to hug our friends and our loved ones anymore as often as we used to and you know I feel like this quarantine is really like woken us up to the reality that touch is such an important love language and and overall what i love about modern love it's it just makes me feel good inside you know to vicariously live these loves i hate being alone right now but hearing these voices tell me how they love and have been loved in such a great capacity but in such simple or even mundane ways it's just so comforting and i don't know just it's just made quarantine a bit more bearable Another way that I've been coping is, of course, fictional crushes. We love fictional crushes. Or not just fictional, also unattainable crushes, like celebrity crushes. I've really found myself jumping into this rabbit hole of, like, different characters and, like, artists who I could project my love on. And, like, I feel like, obviously, it's different from real-life attraction. But what I like about fictional and unattainable crushes is that there's also a way of knowing about them, like, 
you know, like, you know those days when you realize you've spent four hours looking up the same person and just finding out about their family background, finding out about these different shows they've done, finding out about their different, like, quirks and stuff, and now you feel like you truly know the person and you're ready to get married and stuff. Yeah, just relatable things. It's a healthy compensation for me, at least. I think it still brings me, like, uh, some sort of love into my life. So the first one I want to talk about is Trevor Noah. My gosh, I love him. I learned about him because I read his novel first without knowing a single thing about him. I read his novel called Born a Crime, and the book basically talked about how he was literally born a crime because he was half white and half black growing up in South Africa during apartheid. Later on, obviously, apartheid was lifted, and it was just, I ex- I really expected, like, a serious read that would be educational, you know, about South African um, history, but it turns out that Trevor Noah is a stand-up comedian, so the, the novel was so heartwarming and just funny, you know, it was funny, and it really made me smile, like, throughout. I loved it, and it was still very educational, like, it really contextualized, you know, um, how he lived I think the best kinds of stories really are tied to like these different contexts um, intersecting into one. So it was just a really great read. And soon after, I looked him up and turns out he's a stand-up comedian and, and I ended up watching all his shows. <laughs> and he also hosts The Daily Show. So I ended up watching like so many episodes of that too. Cause, and I really, I'm not, I don't even know if I'm exaggerating, but I've really fallen in love with him because he's so funny. And he's not just funny, he's smart. And what I love most about his jokes is that they're very politically fueled. Like, it's very evident what his principles are when he jokes. And, you know, that's just so attractive. You know, like, someone who knows what he stands for. You know, someone who believes in something. That's that's so attractive. So I've really fallen in love with Trevor Noah. So next, I've... I love K-dramas. If you're friends with me, you'd know how much K-dramas I've watched over the quarantine. And I'm just gonna name a few of my crushes, but there have been a lot. What I love about K-dramas is that they're heartwarming as well. I I haven't really watched a serious K-drama in a while, just because every day I read the news and listen to the news. And, you know, that in itself is enough drama in my life. I like, I prefer K-dramas that just make me happy, make me smile. So... Think, you know, K-dramas that make me kilig. <laughs> That's what I want. I just love it when they show these men that literally have, like, perfect qualities and don't exist in real life. But, you know, I love it. I, I love it still. Like, <laughs> it makes me feel like they exist, even if they probably don't. But, okay, anyway. I love Jung Wan from Reply 1988. He's, like, the dictionary torpe boy. <laughs> but... There's just something so attractive about someone who silently loves and shows you how they love you, like, from a a distance. I know that a lot of people think that it's annoying when people are torpe, but Jungwan made it look so cute and special. I don't even know. From Hospital Playlist, I really love Jungwan, who's played by Yoon Sok, and Ik Jun, played by Cho Jun Sok. They're so... mm, Like, I love their characters so much because... They're, not only are they attractive, but they love children. They're good with children. They have like this family man vibe, and I dig that. I love that. <laughs> and from Prison Playbook, I love Lee Jun Ho, played by Jung Kyung Ho, who I've always found super cute. I think he's a really attractive and talented actor, and I love like how good of a friend he is in that in Prison Playbook. And I 
I don't know. I just really appreciated his character there. He was very sweet, and my love for Jung Kyung Ho just really grew a hundredfold. <laughs> and then next, I know we've all fallen in love with Milk Tea Poppy or Newton um, over the quarantine. Like he's literally all over my timeline, and everyone is gushing over him. And uh, I see why, cause he's so cute, and I, I keep using the word cute to describe boys. But anyway, he's attractive, and he has good brows, and he's tall, and he cooks, and he has this weird energy. Like you know, you just know that he's a weird person. But for some reason, it's endearing. And of course, last but not least, I have a lot of animated crushes. I love Zuko <laughs> from Avatar. I, I rewatched Avatar during the quarantine. It's my third time. Like, in my whole lifetime, this is my third time rewatching Avatar. And it's so good still. And it's still so easy to fall in love with Zuko and his redemption arc and just how capable he is of doing good things. And last, I love Ghibli boys. I love the boys in Studio Ghibli. All of them. They all just have this wholesome energy. And they're all kind and courageous and brave. And they're literally perfect. My favorite is Ashitaka from Princess Mononoke. And I love, I also love Haku from Spirited Away. I love Seiji from Whisper of the Heart. Honestly, I could keep going. But yeah, those three are <laughs> up there in the Ghibli boy crushes. So yeah, um, I don't really know what my takeaway is here in this episode. But I just want to say that I do agree that love can be a capitalistic construct that Love can be irrational, that love can drive you insane, that love is something that we may be looking for now in this isolation, but is actually not worth it. I know that a lot of people think that way, but it's not just romantic love that exists in this world. I don't want to be this preachy person saying, like, just be thankful or just look for, or just make the most out of the situation or just be happier or just suck it up, you know, because that's not how people are. All I'm saying is that your feelings are valid and you can yearn for that sense of attraction again the way I do or you can just actively look for a relationship and pursue it online or you can compensate. You can do anything you want with these feelings but I think the first step is truly acknowledging them and realizing that they're not wrong, it's not wrong and it's not irrational. I, I've had enough of gaslighting and I'm sure you have too so yeah, I hope in one way or another this podcast reminds you how alive you are and how capable you are of feeling beyond sadness and beyond isolation. There's really yearning and love behind everything. So, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, I'm your host, Bea, and this has been Mind Dump.